From the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Hear now these words from the 24th Psalm. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it, for he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully, they will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the kids that would like to join Miss Kristen right here for godly play, we are glad that you could be here, and we're glad that you can go to godly play if you would like. Thank you, Kristen. For our New Testament text, we turn to Romans chapter 8. And I have pulled three sections from chapter 8 for us to read together today. But I wanted to invite you throughout the week to read the whole of Romans chapter 8. If I had to name one chapter in our Holy Scriptures that is my go-to chapter, the place that I go to when I need centering, when I'm looking to be grounded to remember my faith and my hope, Romans chapter 8 would be it. So let us continue to hear God's word for you and for me today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending God's own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Paul continues a few verses later, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. 
for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we have hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And at the very end of the chapter, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have been creating space in my heart for this All Saints Sunday since last year's All Saints Sunday. Many of us have been grieving death and various types of loss this past year not to mention grieving all of the losses that have come as a result of the pandemic. Knowing how hard it has been to stay well, to stay faithful, to stay whole and remain grounded in these past 20 months. This past season of life, to borrow a phrase from Paul here in Romans chapter 8, has been full of labor pains. But with labor pains, some of us know this full well, with labor pains comes life. Difficult and beautiful and sacred life. So if you are worshiping here today in person and live stream, and you are bearing deep grief, if you are filled with anxiety, uncertainness, and heartache, if you find that these labor pains are so great that you are barely hanging on, may this time of worship bring you comfort and peace. And if you are worshiping here today as one who is caring for and extending love and prayers for those who grieve and carry heavy burdens, may you be renewed and empowered to be Christ's hands and feet, bringing Christ's peace and comfort. 
for all of us. We draw near to God as God draws near to us. And we remember again today that we are the body of Christ. So we draw near to one another in this hour and in these days. We draw near to this communion of saints. As I offer four words of encouragement from our Romans 8 passage today. The first word of encouragement from Romans chapter 8 that I want to lift up is this truth that to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. In this age of distraction, when our minds are pulled in a million different directions, it's hard to stay focused on our priorities, the things that matter most. And when then grief or heartache uncertainty and anxiety meet us in this space, in this age of distraction, our hearts and our minds race to look for anything to meet us in our pain. Paul reminds us again this morning to sharpen our focus and to give our attention to set our minds, or his words, on the spirit. When we look back to the Greek, where setting our minds is conveyed, it's not just referring to what we think about in our minds, but this Greek word of set our minds is about setting our minds on the spirit and is aspiring toward God's way in the spirit. It's about building purpose around the spirit. It means to allow the Holy Spirit into our lives to shape purpose and to shape our aspirations. Why? Because the spirit is life and peace. Jesus promises in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Isn't this at the heart of the matter what we long for? Life and peace. A friend shared a beautiful card with me that says, You are free to have peace without knowing what comes next. We are free to have peace without knowing what comes next. This is possible because of who Jesus is and what he has promised. Well, Tony and I loved being able to help lead last weekend's confirmation retreat up in the North Georgia mountains in Dahlonega, Georgia. And Tony was given the task of leading a talk on sin and forgiveness. That's a really fun topic on a, on a confirmation retreat. But the way he approached it, I found so meaningful that I'm even sharing with you here today. One of the questions that each confirmand will answer if they choose to join our church, which is what all of us choose to answer in a profession of faith when we join this church, is this question. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? 
So Tony tried to break down a little bit. What is this sin? What is this evil that we renounce? He explained that the Greek word used often to talk about sin is hamartia. And it's the word that was used by a judge um, when an archer in competition missed the mark. So if I'm the archer and I'm throwing my arrow, it's probably shooting, whatever the arrow thing is, and I don't hit the bullseye, when I miss the mark, I hamartia, that I sin. When we miss the mark, that's a way to understand what sin is. And you can picture that as the archer. Tony took out this big container um, that markers had been in and put it on a chair. And then he put a, he had a line that was one foot away from the container. He had a line that was five feet away from the container. And he had a line that was 10 feet away from the container. And the task for the students who volunteered and wanted to participate was to be given five markers and to, they would be told at different marks to stand at and they would predict how many markers they could toss in to the container. So of course the students that were one foot away from the container went five for five. They basically could just drop them right into the bin. The, the students who were in the middle at the five foot mark, they probably went about 40%. They could get three, two, I can't remember if anyone got four, but around that, it got harder. The ones at the 10 foot mark, it was the hardest. You could sometimes get one, sometimes get none out of your five markers that you tossed in. And so Tony talked about the farther away you are, the, the analogy played out, the harder it is to get the markers into the bin. And he said the same is true in our relationship with God. The farther we are from God's love and grace and presence, the farther we are from God's people, the harder it is to hit the mark of who God is calling us to be in the world. It's true. And I think it's also true in our context today, in All Saints Sunday, that the farther we are away from God, the harder it is to receive these gifts of life and peace that God wants to give us. When our mind is distanced or distracted from the spirit, it's harder to find the life and peace that we so desperately long for. So in these days, let us set our mind on the spirit. Let us move toward God. And the gifts of God come in expected and unexpected ways. The second word of encouragement, building off of the first in ways that we set our mind on the spirit, is the encouragement to prioritize or reprioritize the centrality of worship in our lives. Charles Spurgeon wrote, nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more of God will be seen in you. In worship, we're reminded that we don't walk this journey alone. We see the saints. We sing with them. We pray with them. In the words of Psalm 24 that Rob read for us, we remember that we are part of the company who seeks the face of God. We're part of the communion of saints that declares the goodness, strength, 
might and love of our God. And there's power in coming together. The Holy Spirit meets us in our worship. And I'm reminded every time I worship of this truth. I was thinking back to World Communion Sunday this year, about a month ago, and I was able to worship in Fifield Hall to begin the worship time there before I was slipping out to preach at one of our sister churches later that morning. Lee Bonner worked with Angelica Hairston, our founder and CEO of Challenge the Stats, along with Jens Korndorfer and Adam Tevalero, to create a worship experience for us that celebrated the prayers and songs and liturgies of our mission partners around the world. One of the songs that was offered was written and sung by Flore Francois, and she sang it in Haitian Creole. The title was Grace is Enough. Grace is the English word, and in the Haitian Creole, it was grace. So you could feel and sense the words even in this other language. I felt God's grace just flood over me. For some of you that were here, you remember the precious gift of this song. Well, I slipped out of worship when the children were dismissing to their godly play, and I ran into this woman of who has three young kids in our church, and I said to her, Grace, that is what I needed, and that is going to carry me through the week. And she said to me, Katie, no part of me wanted to get my kids ready for church this morning. I didn't want to get myself ready for church this morning. I barely made it here. And yes, that song of grace was exactly what I needed. God meets me here every time. Remember the gift that we have to be able to worship together in these days. The third word of encouragement is found a little further down in the text where we remember that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness. Because we know that there are times when we have sought to draw near to God, when we are one foot from the marker bin, and we still feel alone. The feeling, as much as we try to be in God's presence and surround ourselves with God's people in the body of Christ, the darkness and the fear is still there. And we cry out, where is God and how can I make it through? And we hold fast to these verses, to this promise that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving to visit Philip and Jeannie Beekteller after the heartbreaking and untenable death of their one-month-old daughter. Cecilia will be remembered today and honored along with so many of our beloved saints. Many of you have been holding this couple and family in prayers, and that's the best gift that you can give them. Well, as I was driving to visit, 
I was struggling because I wasn't feeling that ready to visit in this impossible space. I couldn't calm myself and I certainly didn't wanna cause more anxiety or pain by my presence, right? And I wasn't doing that great of a job, but I was like, Lord, help me, help me. And I drove, I was in this area, I don't even know, it was out that way. And I don't know the area that well, but I drove by this street and I thought, oh, that's where I turn to visit Betty Case, another member of our church. And I know it was the spirits interceding because I thought, I'm going to call Betty. And I called Betty and she answered. And I said, Betty, I'm going to visit this family who just lost their baby and I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for them. And Betty did. She prayed this most beautiful prayer that interceded and carried me into this space. She prayed that I would bring the right spirit, that I would have words when words were needed, that this family would know the surpassing love and comfort of God in this time. And it was as if Paul's words were as tangible as ever. The spirit intercedes and makes a way when it seems like there is no way or that the road ahead is impossible. So may we be open to hearing the spirits leading more and more in each day. And our fourth and final word of encouragement from Romans chapter eight is around this obstacle of being human facing death itself. Today we remember those who have died. We mark this time with a somber, realistic, and honest account of the fragileness of life and the reality of our own mortality. Each year in our church's tradition, we remember those who have died in the last year And I also, along with those, call to mind every gift that God has brought into my life of men and women who are in this great cloud of witnesses. It's a tender and a hard time. It's also a time of hope, of resurrection hope. We hear it again in the promise of God that Paul speaks about at the end of Romans chapter 8. We are convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, whatever is on our plate that we feel like we are drowning with, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We began a grief support group here at First Presbyterian this fall with eight members of our congregation and Rob and I participating as well. Four of those eight members have spouses whose names we read aloud today. This past Tuesday at our gathering, we were sharing together in the chapel and talking about this analogy of a, trape- of a trapeze artist who's able to swing from one bar to another. And the hope and the courage that that takes to let go of one bar and reach to the next. As 
part of our life metaphor. Some in the group described their movement through grief and their ability to grab another bar, to reach for the next bar. Others said not only are they unable to reach for the next bar, but they are barely holding on to the bar that's in their hand now. We had space and time to share with one another. And then we closed our session by walking to the minister's garden for prayer and a closing hymn. And one of the members suggested that we sing great is thy faithfulness. And everybody started to sing in the circle. Everything came into focus for me and I thought this is what saints do. I stood in awe because I knew that every person wasn't doing great. I knew the heartache and the deep grief and how could they sing in this circle, every single one of them. They chose together to continue to reach for the grace of God, to continue to claim God's faithfulness and promises even in the brokenness, the doubt, and the pain. They sing the songs that the saints have always sung, songs that sustain their hope, that life and peace God's grace, the intercession of the Holy Spirit is possible and present in this age and in the age to come. The promises of God are sure and certain and they are for you and for me. And so may we, the children of God, in the communion of saints, hold fast to these promises in this hour and in all the days to come. Amen. Amen.